All right. Welcome back to another Trail Talk episode by the Ridge Runners. I'm your host, Michael Owen, and this is a show where we talk about trail and ultra running related items or topics uh, from the east of the Mississippi. Sometimes we'll talk about certain races, certain issues, but today we're going to be talking to an individual in the sport. And so this week we're going to talk to Josh Park. Josh is a student at Ohio University and a member of the Ohio University cross country team. And Josh has a really compelling story, I think. Uh, so we'll get right into this. Uh, he went from walk-on to the OU cross center team to now the Mid-American Conference individual champion. So we'll dive right in. Hope you enjoy. All right, Josh. So I guess we'll start with this past weekend. You won the MAC championships. Tell us about your day. Yeah, it was a really, really, really good day for for myself individually, and and also good for the good for most of the guys on the team too. Uh, we've been working up to this meet for a long time. It was the central focus of this season, so I'm excited that it went well, and uh, I'm really happy. Yeah, you told me a couple of days ago that this is one of those races where everything worked out the way you would want it to work out in a race. So, you know, you finished first place, obviously, and. From what I know, you pulled away in the last K to win by, let's see, you went 24.08 for the 8K race, yep. and you were, what, like 18 seconds ahead of second place? So tell us about just kind of the, your mindset in the race and how that race played out from the gun to the finish line. Yeah, well, going into it, you know, any sane person is going to want to do a little bit of research on, on who you're racing against. And I hadn't gotten the opportunity to race against Miami or Central Michigan, and I had very limited, limited access to, to the BG guys. So it was going to be kind of an unfamiliar race. So I kind of wanted to prep myself, uh, going into it. It was apparent that it was going to be myself and, uh, Noah Schaub of, of Bowling Green that were probably going to be the heavy favorites for the win. But the critical thing was we had to get away from the Miami guys and the Akron guys that, that would have the potential to kick us down. So in, in a way it was, it was, good to have Noah because it was somebody to work with. So we, the conditions for the race were absolutely perfect. It was, I think 40 degrees and raining and the course was still very, very firm and quick nice. was a golf course and it's mostly run on fairways. Yeah. So I'm really excited about that because that kind of thing favors, you know, guys that like road races and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got off, off to this, off the start and everybody got out really quick and i i think i might have been close to last place coming off the line but <laughs> but no 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 panicking because you know it's not hard to work your way up through a race that only has nine teams in it so Chab immediately went to the front and which i was happy about so i meandered my way up up, up the pack and got onto the front at about probably half a mile into it and it was apparent that that no wasn't going to play the waiting game so it was him and I side by side for, for most of the, for most of the first lap, the course is pretty cool. It was a, a 2k loop and we did it obviously four times to get to 8k and it was really spectator friendly and, uh, you could really get an understanding of how the course worked very quickly. Yeah. So Noah and I ran side by side for most of the first lap. We got a little bit tripped up, but we, I think pulled away from the pack at the beginning of the second lap and just slowly started pulling, pulling away from the pack. Yeah. So it ended up like at what point was it you and Shab 
that separated from the pack after that first lap? Yeah, I think there's the the way the 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 course is oriented at the beginning of each lap is kind of a really long uh, straightaway. That's that's a fairway and uphill, and then it levels off, and you run a loop around the top, then go down a steeper section, and then continue the loop. Mm-hmm. And I think we broke everybody on that that long that long straight hill. Okay, great. That's uh, it's I always like coming from a former cross country background too, and now a lot of our viewers and myself are into trail running, a lot of passing doesn't take place. It sounds like there wasn't that much passing for you either, at least in the front of the, in the front of the pack with you and Shab. So kind of for, for our viewers that are not super well versed in cross country running, how does, how does that play out? Like this, this was a smaller race with only nine teams, but in a typical cross country race, you know, what's the jostling like and when does that happen in a race? Is it, within the race is at the end is at the beginning how's how does the field sort of like sort its way out in a cross-country race for you yeah typically this race was very good for me but typically races that are a lot bigger like a nine a nine team race is is, is so small the mac is a very small conference mm-hmm. but races like we went to a couple of weeks ago at penn state there were i think 30 teams on the start list i think 26 showed up and it was just absolute chaos. The issue is everybody wants to get off the start line quick and kind of self-select into where they should go. But you know, everybody's a little bit too aggressive for where they should (laughs) be. So guys like myself that, that, that don't quite have the quick foot speed off the line are, you know, having to cruise through everybody and it can get kind of violent at Penn state. There are quite a few falls. I Okay. saw one kid get ran straight into a tree uh. and it's it's really kind of fend for yourself yeah i think it's interesting because cross country is looked at as being a very singular sport without any contact compared to uh, other contact sports but there's a lot of physical elbows spikes on on the shin uh like you said people i've had teammates in the past get ran into posts or poles um so yeah it definitely can be physical was there any of that in your race on this past saturday no, luckily, luckily not. They're, they're not being a lot of us, but the, the, the hills had potentially to get kind of dangerous. The, you get back down to, to net zero very, very quick. It's probably like a 50 meter downhill. Okay. And it, the, on the first lap, guys are still kind of, kind of antsy and it really hurt going down. Yeah. Okay, cool. So 2408, you were the individual winner by... 18 seconds over Shab, you pulled away from at the end. Um, what for, for Ohio university, that's the first time a male individual champion has come from the Mac from OU since 1996. What, what do you think that means for the program? Uh, not just for you, but the entire team. And where do you, where do you feel that you rank in that list of OU runners all time? Yeah, it's super exciting for the team. It's no secret that we've been struggling for a for a little while. It's as as a program that only has a cross country team. There's not a lot of allure for for recruits to come run for us unless they have a particular uh, version to track or, or whatnot. That does happen, and we have had some some quick guys on the team recently. But it's good to get some publicity around our program and generate some interest because we do have the opportunity to race track unattached in in kind of a more relaxed 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 environment but we do have cross country and we're getting very good very quickly 
Yes. I've noticed that this year with, with you leading the charge, basically I was just looking at your results besides that Penn state meet, you finished top three, every race, um, which puts Ohio on the map. Like you're by far the front runner for the team, every team, you know, not, not every team, but a lot of teams have a front runner. Um, I feel like OU's had a lot of people in that front pack the past couple of years, but there's not been one clear front runner, but you have been that guy this year. Um, so yeah, you're at least putting the OU on the map and that's pretty cool for the program. How did you guys are six places a team, right? Uh, at Mac. Um, what was that? Was that, a, was, what was your guys' team goal at Mac and did you guys achieve it? The, the team goal at Mac was actually to get top three. Realistically, I think we could have gotten second, but a couple of, uh, uh our team captain, uh, Kyle Bizard, uh, unfortunately suffered a stress fracture. What we found out is now is a stress fracture mm. and tried to run on it. And as tough as he is, you can't run on a stress fracture like that. It was, I think, a low tibia stress fracture. So mm. uh, kind of not having the depth that we'd like one team member yeah. having a, a a bad race is going to knock us down. Yeah. Okay. So sixth place of the team. Um, let's go back. Uh, we'll, we'll shift back into the current your current running here in a bit, but I want to go back to your early days when you first got into the sport or, or just sport in general, no matter what exact, exact exercise that was, but bring us back to high school days or whenever you first got into any type of sport and running specifically. Yeah. So I've been exposed and immersed into running for, for since, since I can remember my very first I think memories that I can remember are uh, uh, being at a tri being at uh, being really young and being at a triathlon, watching my dad and uncle, and being jammed into the stroller with my cousins. <laughs> <laughs> and so, my dad and my uncle are both very, very good age group triathletes, and were and still are. And so, I've been around triathlon and running for for my entire life. Yeah. And I guess I'm not sure if I actually started any sports before I started running. I mean, I played the, the standard soccer, baseball, a little bit of hockey. And, but my dad got me started running when I was seven, I think. And okay. I think I ran a 5k when I was seven. Wow. And you just, one looking up to him and my uncle is just like, wow, I want to be like them. And two, when you learn about that whole hard work reward cycle, it, it's, it's really an addicting thing because you, get most of the time you get out what you put in and until that stops happening, you, you know, you're typically hooked on it. Yeah. So I kind of ran casually in, in a, in a sense for, I mean, a seven year old. Only so much you can do at that age. Yeah. Up until, up until junior high. And then didn't really think that I had that much talent per se, because there's nobody to compare yourself to. Right. So, I got into junior high and it was readily apparent that, <laughs> that I had a knack for this. Yeah. So you ran, you ran cross country and track in junior high and you went to Amherst, uh, high school. Is that correct? Yep. Amherst. And, uh, so let's, let's go on through high school. Um, and, and I, I know triathlon is a big part of, that's how I knew you initially, at least several years ago. Um, were you participating in triathlon, uh, competing? while you're in high school or did that kind of come post-collegiately and was running, were you participating in running because of triathlon and when did that sort of like morph in or, or one became more 
uh, like you became more dedicated to one or the other. At what point did that sort of morph together? Yeah, so I did dabble in a little bit of triathlon. You know, I think I did a sprint triathlon when I was 11. Okay. Maybe. <laughs> and so, you know, you kind of do that in the summer because there's, you know, no cross country, no track to do. So I progressed through junior high and into high school and really shifted my focus towards cross country because, okay. you know, who cares about triathlon when right. in high school? <laughs> like, you, there's no there's no glory or recognition for that when you know something that happens in the summer but i ran pretty well for a, a freshman in high school i mean nothing spectacular i qualified for regionals at a d1 school which is respectable and i think i had some injury issues and didn't run track but that's you know it wasn't anything out of the ordinary that was the first first time i ever got injured so you know you think it's a it's a just one-off thing. Mm -hmm. And then uh, sophomore year of high school is when I really improved, I guess you could say. And I think I was ranked in the state at one point, the fastest sophomore in the state for a little while. I won a race and unfortunately didn't make it out of regionals, but mm. okay. it was a good, very, very good year for me. I think I had a PR that was under 16 yeah. In the 1540s. Yeah, 15, so 1544 PR as a sophomore in high school. That's, I mean, even today, you know, high school, I know high school in Ohio, very competitive state in the, in the country for cross country. There seems to be more and more got boys running under 16, but still a 1544 as a sophomore. I'm sure you were at that point realizing your potential, realizing how good you were compared to other people um and you might have been starting to get looked at at that point even early on being a division one sub 16 runner as a sophomore um so to take us after that what what happened uh, that junior year so yeah so that sophomore year i kind of got to peek my head up and to see what the you know what the upper echelon of of performance looked like and the next year was uh kind of a mess i had had the start of a lot of injury issues. I had didn't know it at the time, but developed a, a, a labral tear in my hip. That was the cause of a lot of things, a lot of imbalance issues. So mm -hmm. I ran very sparsely that, that year in cross country. I think I ran only a handful of races. I missed a lot and didn't make it out of districts and uh, limped through a lot of stuff, mm -hmm. and which is frustrating because you know, you had worked so hard that summer and nothing comes to fruition. Yeah. And so I guess that, that was kind of the, the turning point of this little down spiral I had with, uh, with injury and some eating issues where I would get injured and then not be able to train and be unmotivated to eat and be unmotivated to, you know, exist as a normal human because this thing I love got taken away from me. So, you know, it's like you go to school and then kind of go stand around at practice and then come home and sleep and forget to eat dinner. And before I knew it, it was, I think I had five stress fractures, all kinds of soft tissue stuff. And I had to have a hip surgery. Okay. Yeah. I think when run runners have this knack of, really identifying with the sport and from my experience with injuries and just talking with other people whenever you hinge your whole like when, when you identify yourself as a runner and that's taken away from you 
at a young age, especially like it's really hard to cope with even, you know, and, and you're experiencing that at such a younger age than typical person. Um, so how, at what point did you realize that was playing a role in to your injuries? How did, how did you cope with that eventually? And what kind of support did you have around uh, those injuries and eating issues that you had? Yeah, so I kind of continued that trend up until really my second year of college. You know, I just, like I said, it kind of tumbleweeds because you get depressed because you get injured and, and, and you don't realize it at the time, but you're, you're, you're doing things that are setting you up for failure time and time again. And if you don't have anybody that understands what that is or has an, an outside perspective, it, it seems like you're helpless in reality or not. And it's like you said, it's tough because if you identify as a runner and a student and, you know, it's hard to judge your own value as a human, if you only have those two things. So when one of them gets taken away, it's kind of feel like, you know, like you're nothing. And, and that's kind of the way I, the way I existed for four years, which is really kind of depressing. So obviously didn't get recruited, recruited to run in college because, you know, no one's going to take a risk on somebody that had a major hip surgery and has had five stress fractures and got a stress reaction on my femur. And that's, that's tricky to do. So, and so was, was that hip surgery take us back on the timeline of, of you, um, senior year of high school then? Yeah, I think I got the, the surgery in the summer of before my senior year of high school. Okay. And you didn't compete obviously post hip surgery, correct? Yeah. I had really, really, really was excited because I had one more chance to run track and I had never actually, I think I only had to run three track races my entire high school career. So this was my, my, my last shot cross country was out of question because of the the nature of the rehab of the surgery, it was just not even close to enough time. It's like a six month turnaround on those things and was so fired up to, to, to prove myself on the track, something I'd never gotten to do before and popped a a stress reaction on the other leg in my femur. Okay. So that was kind of the turning point where I'm like, I keep putting so much emotion into this sport and I'm putting so much time into it and I'm getting nothing in return. So it was in a way time to just be like, well, this isn't making me happy. Every time I try, I'm snapping in half. So I'm just going to stop. Yeah. And so you stopped running for a bit then. Yeah, completely. So during this time too, during this four year stretch, particularly the stretch of surgery and, and then the stress reaction, your senior year, was there an individual that you leaned on? Was there a support group? How, like, was there anybody that you could, that you credit to kind of like being there, uh, the whole time? Yeah. The, I was really, really lucky to get, uh, matched up with a, a physical therapist out in Cleveland for the, for the rehab from the hip surgery. Uh, Mike D. Robertis is kind of an old school physical therapist. He's, you know, it's, you go in for an hour and it's one-on-one and he's, he's in this old building on uh, Carnegie Avenue and <laughs> you, you, you just understand that the guy knows his stuff and, yeah. To have somebody that doesn't necessarily know you that well, but still has, you know, confidence in you and, and, and is saying, I know what's wrong with you from, 
from a strength point of view and, mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to be like this and we can fix you and make you better. Yeah. And so that I, it was, he helped a lot and he, I have to credit him with making me a self-actualized person because you can sit around and all of these bad things can happen to you. And you just think that they're it, just bad stuff happens to me there, mm. but there's always an underlying mechanism. And until you understand that you can intervene in that and change it and take a step back and look at why things are happening to you, then not only you'll be a healthy person, but you'll be a better runner because that kind of thing applies to, to, to all facets of training and mm. staying healealthy right that's yeah strength and and realizing what results in, or what causes results can be very very important for an athlete um, not just a runner so OU you went to Ohio University um, why did you choose Athens at Ohio University and what was what was your intent in college since you weren't being recruited like you know most four-year or five-year cross-country runners in college come to school with the intent of being a varsity athlete. You're a little bit different because um, you weren't recruited. Um, so how did you end up here in Athens? And what did you do initially when you were here? Yeah, it's kind of like I had nowhere left to go. <laughs> you know, options were at OSU and uh, OU, and I wasn't too keen on the big city. So it seemed really, really, really crowded. Uh, so just kind of no other options. And I obviously wanted to go to vision one school because not in all cases, but the education is more standardized and consistent mm -hmm. at, at a bigger college. So it was that over a smaller school and, you know, public schools are chief. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why I landed here. Okay. So this is about the time, this would have been 2000 and the fall of 2015 when you were a freshman at OU, I believe. Um, I don't know when I first met you, um, but my first time that I remember you was on Strava. Um, Pop, I don't know what role Strava plays in your life. Uh, for ultra runners and trail runners, at least here in, in Southeast Ohio, Strava seems to be a very central role in the running community. And so all of a sudden I see this Josh Park, this young kid, um, start popping up on some of the segment leaderboards. Um, I think there's a couple of segments where that you stole of mine. And I was like, who is this Josh Park kid? Um, but then I started noticing that you were not primarily a runner and that you were biking a lot. Um, and you obviously have a triathlon club shirt on. So what, you know, your, your, your dad and your uncle influenced you a ton in triathlon. So at what point, did that become part of your like training or your your main form of exercise at OU and and, and tell us a little bit about if if you have any like feedback about the triathlon club uh, share with with us that yeah so you know I I just decided that I was too too delicate too injury prone to run so I was kind of getting my fix for you know we all want that that endorphin high <laughs> right. so I was doing a lot of cycling. And still probably with, with intent on getting back into triathlon. And so I realized that I could probably compete at a very high level in triathlon without having to run that much. Mm -hmm. So 
I was running close to 12 miles a week. And yeah. <laughs> it's like, if I'm running only 12 miles a week, there's no way I can get a stress reaction. There's no way I can get a stress fracture. So I was happy with that. And, you know, I think I derived a lot of fitness from being on the bike and being on the pool. Yeah. And, and, I, and so yeah, 12 miles a week, you know, as a runner, it doesn't look like much, but you were also putting in 10 to 12 hours or more of biking and, and swimming. Um, so did you compete? Did you ever actually compete um, on the circuit or whatever the, whatever the, you know, it's not like there's a varsity team, but like, how did, uh, did you get your competition fix? Yeah, I, and that's the thing about triathlons, you can only do it in the summer. So mm -hmm. it was, I would, I would race a lot in the summer and do well at elite level races, some, some sub pro pro races, you know, nothing, nothing huge, yeah. but, but en enough to get by during the summer, which, which, which is good because that's running on its own is good, but, or exercising on its own is good, but there's, there's a part of competition that, mm -hmm. that you need and want <laughs> for sure. Um, cool. So that was my, I mean, <laughs> Strava for you, is it mainly as a, training log for you or is there was there ever a point where Strava was like a little source of like competition or did you go after segment records there's one segment that you still own uh, I did some research here the uh, roundabout to radar segment I've, I'm second place on that list now um, do you do you focus on that do you look at segments on Strava and go for fast times or do you build your workouts around those particular segments and, and like kind of what, what, what are your thoughts on Strava? Back, back when I just had gotten back into running, running, uh, kind of my second year here at school, it was, well, I can only run 12 miles a week. So the workout is warm up to the segment, do the segment, <laughs> and then, and then go back home. So it, it was a lot of that. And I have a handful of segments here, but mm -hmm. there's also, uh, Notably, a segment, uh, Cable Line Road, that uh, a professor, uh, <laughs> uh, for anybody that doesn't know, there's a professor here, Dr. Weiner, that's a biomechanist and a, a physical therapist that ran on the team here at OU back in the day, and he has a lot of the the oh, steep hill segments. Yeah, he does. <laughs> and it's, there, there's something rewarding about uh, stealing a segment from your professor. <laughs> uh, I've taken a few segments from my uh, human physiology professor. So rumor has it, he has that segment record again, but hasn't logged it. Yeah, and, that's uh, what I heard. He 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 decided to to keep it on private, just just yeah. as to not elicit any anyone from making <laughs> making training errors and in <laughs> <laughs> trying to go after it. That's right. Yeah, he he definitely owns some pretty stout segment. Is there any particular segment in Athens that you have your eye on, uh, maybe after the season or uh, at another time that you would like to go after? I come to think of it, the only one is Cable Line. Okay. Yeah, it's a, it's a good one. Not Radar Hill? I'm not sure. It's a good one. That's the one on the backside, right? The the steep side. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, Robert, Dr. Weiner has ran uh, 252 up that hill. So uh, <laughs> like 540 pace on a 300-foot on a climb. Yeah. <laughs> Half mile. Um, so yeah, it's, Strava's fun. And it's, it's cool to hear your input on that as a, as a college athlete now. Um, and it's good to see, like, it seems like more and more college athletes are utilizing Strava and, uh, obviously they're, 
training and going faster in workouts than the regular uh, recreational runners that are starting to populate that top 10 list. Um, okay, so let's move in. We're in your sophomore year. At what point was joining the OU cross-country team in your radar and in your thoughts? Yeah, so I would, you know, off of 12 miles a week, you know, I I, I think the first the first spark of me wanting to get back into into pure competitive running is I uh, jumped into a road race in Cleveland, the uh, just a turkey trot, a five miler in downtown, and I think managed to run under twenty five ten off of twelve miles a week, which yeah. is a little bit impressive in its own right, but a little bit pathetic I also. Think, I think there's a lot of people that would be envious <laughs> of um, that time after a lifetime of training <laughs> and it was it was there's a a, a pro runner who runs for uh, a hoka colby alexander's from strongville ohio and he was yeah. uh tempoing the race as a workout and you know he, not that he was working hard but yeah. i was running with him the entire time so okay. it's like there's a pro runner and i'm running with him like okay. there might be some something left here to to explore so and then i see that time and i look at some of the guys on the team and it's like I think I might be able to get on the team because yeah. my my full five mile road time is 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 comparable to a lot of guys on the team right now. Mm-hmm. So this was your um, summer before your junior year. Is would that be the right timeline? Uh, yep. Okay, and then that's that's the season that you walked on to the team, right? Yep. Okay, so you walked on. This would have been um, two thousand and seventeen fall. You were just a walk on. I don't know what the expectations were from the team, from the coaches, or from the from the uh, teammates. But then you started competing with the OU, with the Ohio University Singlet. Um, tell us how those first, you know, it had been over four years, basically, since you competed in cross country. Um, how did those first couple of meets and cross country races go for you? Uh, not just times-wise, but also, like, mentally, what were your... Uh, what was your mindset in those races? How hard did you go after it? How much did those injuries kind of linger in your in your mental state? Um, and how that all go? Well, first we should re- rewind back just a second. Okay. I, uh, the goal for that summer was the summer before my junior year of college was to qualify for the Ironman seventy point three World Championships that was to be held in Chattanooga that year, and I. DNF'd the race that I that would qualify me yeah. for that. Okay. So I had built up like, you know, a whole winter and summer of training right. into one race and DNF'd from a stupid nutrition error. Okay. Uh so I had nothing to nothing to work for for. I think the race that that race would have been in September. And I'm like, well, I have nothing to do. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of lost for a while and figured that there would be no harm in me trying to walk onto the team. Even if the injury stuff came back, I wasn't time invested or emotionally invested in it. So what could go wrong? The issue was, is that was probably half a month before school started and I was still on the 12, 15 mile a week train. (laughs) So it was maybe a little bit ignorant on my part to just like assume that I would be okay off of that kind of volume. I mean, I was doing a lot of volume with the other stuff, but mm-hmm. you know, today I ran 10 miles and that's right. like 
ninety percent of the uh, of the of the <laughs> volume I was doing before then. So right. it it the the coaching staff I think kind of took a gamble on me, but it was justified because I had put up some legitimate times, mm -hmm. and I think I carried a little bit of arrogance initially into that se into that season walking onto the team because I could hang with people on workouts I could hang with people on 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 easy runs long runs but racing was not there mm -hmm. and I think the first the first race I ran was uh uh the Virginia Tech alumni invitational and I had so much confidence that I'm going to stay with the lead group. This is fine. I looked at the results from last year and like, they're not going anywhere <laughs> and blew up so hard because I was undertrained. Right. You know, if I probably had my mileage up to about 25 miles a week and that's not enough for cross country specifically, you might be able to get a, get away in a road race, but, mm -hmm. but cross country, you have to be so strong. And, and just to give our viewers <laughs> some perspective of, of cross country training. If, if they're not aware you were doing at that point, you were working your way up from 12 to 25 miles. What were some of the team, your teammates doing at that point? Yeah. I, uh, a teammate of mine, Brad Miller had run, I think seven consecutive hundred mile weeks. Yeah. <laughs> so for me to think that I would be okay, was just <laughs> a bad, bad, bad mistake. Yeah. But sometimes ignorance is bliss. Um, so that was your first, like you blew up in that first meet, uh, did things start coming around? Did no. mileage? <laughs> I I think I got my highest my highest mileage week that 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 season was forty, and I was not racing well at all. I was nowhere close to being a points contributor. Uh, I mean, doing well as if I was a freshman, but you know, it, when you have expectations, that's that's just not good enough. Yeah. And to like have to beg to get onto the team and then blow up like that is kind of embarrassing after you've carried yourself like 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 a legitimate like a legitimate runner. Yeah, um, that, that's it's really interesting. It's it's kind of funny because I think for me looking at your story in these past two years, that was just a year ago, and we're now exactly a year after last year's MAC championships and this year's MAC championships. I think you finished 30th place last year at the Mid-American Conference Championships. And there's probably not many times that a runner has gone from 30th and I don't, I don't know what your time was, but from 30th to then winning it. Um, something had to have changed. Um, not only did you probably have to stay healthy in that year from 2017 to 2018 here, um, but your training probably also shifted. Um, so, so let's just kind of fast forward from 2017, your rough season, kind of your, your first season back from all that injury stuff uh, to now this year being a contributor for the team and uh, sort of give us a, a rundown of, of what took place from last fall to, to beginning of this season. Yeah, and the the beginning of, or the the end of that first season of running, I th think I I ran okay for what I should at 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 Mac. I was a points contributor. I think I might have been fourth on our team, and then I think I finished uh, second on our team at regionals. And the biggest change from that wasn't I got fitness in in two weeks, but it was a a change in mindset. I, 
I think I was being very kind of selfish in my motivation to do well that I wasn't, wasn't, was, was just not thinking right. And it had been so long since I was a part of an actual team Mm -hmm. that, you know, I didn't necessarily understand what that was like. And, and the, particularly the team here is we're very close and it's Mm -hmm. a very different atmosphere than a lot of other teams. So I didn't really understand what I was doing, but something that changed me during the Mac meet last year, uh, Kyle ran by me for whatever reason he was behind me at that point. I'm not Mm -hmm. sure what point of the race, but he yelled something at me, like do it for the family. And I, that, that kind of flipped the switch in my head. Like, I can't afford to have a bad race because people are relying on me. Like I got adopted by this group of guys and I'm not just going to be selfish and, and blow up and jog it in because I can't handle it. So that, that, that was a turning point where, you know, I kind of really felt like I was a part of the team and and, and a contributor. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that is something that cross country does bring out, you know, running, is an individual sport and the better you do individually, the theoretically better the team does. But like you said, if, if it's, if it's all about yourself or if your perspective is only worried about yourself, you don't have that team motivation. Um, so it sounds like you took that role on too and, and really accepted being a part of the OU Bobcat team, um, which is from, from my time in Athens, uh, seems like a, a great fraternity. Um, on the, on the men's team with the alumni and the current team. Um, so let's go ahead and shift up. Um, did you, uh, you know, from, from that regional meet last year to, uh, training for this season, or maybe if you want to talk a little bit about the spring as well. Yeah. A lot of it was, you know, I thought I would come, I thought I would walk onto the team and start immediately doing well. And that did not happen. And I just, don't like being bad at stuff. (laughs) So, you know, there were just obvious glaring holes in my training that needed to be fixed. I was on no strength program. I was not really doing long efforts. You know, the mileage wasn't there. The, the, the way I was recovering wasn't, wasn't adequate. And it was apparent that I needed to make a change in order, in order to, you know, get things rolling. So to, to, to shift into pure running was out of question because I was and still am paranoid about getting another stress reaction. So that's there. And I was lucky enough to end up at OU because one, the, our coaching staff is very flexible with me in particular and everybody else about, about, about training and modalities that we use. Uh, and also Dr. Wainer, who we were talking about earlier, is a biomechanist that works with the team, and he helped me address a lot of uh, strength and balance stuff and things like cadence and and uh, shin angle and that kind of thing. That one, that stuff contributes to injury, and two, mm-hmm. if there's a spectrum of injury and efficiency, and if you're away from injury, you're more efficient, and so that was huge. Mm-hmm. And he's helped in the weight room a lot. And a professor of mine, uh, Mike Clevidence, uh, he's an exercise physiologist and he's, I'm always talking to him about, 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 uh, uh, training theories and things like that. So it's, it's, it's so helpful to have two people that know so much about running and so right. much about the human body that I have a huge 
wealth of knowledge to draw upon. Right. And it seems to be from just viewing your training and viewing kind of what you've done on Strava, I don't feel like that you fit the mold of a typical elite division one runner just from your mileage is up now a lot more than what it was in the past with those 12 mile weeks and those 25 mile weeks, but you're still, you're still biking a lot or not. I don't know how much is a lot for you, but like it's, it seems like you're still thrown in biking, which might be considered cross training now for you and maybe some swimming, uh, is, is that all built by your coaches, by, uh, Dr. Wayner, who, uh, like who's directing your training? Is that you? Is it, is it coaches? I've, so, uh, our coach, Mitch Bentley, he's still pretty much calling everything for the running side of things, but, uh, I've implemented a fairly simple cross training recovery recovery program that I think has been working well. I'm actually kind of using cross training to manipulate, uh, the taper. So I haven't dropped any mileage yet, but I've dropped cross training. And so that's a way to, you know, manipulate how you're going to race when with recovery and things like that. And also I am, haven't really ever done a true long run because Mm -hmm. I think it's a, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a big risk being right. on your feet for more than an hour and a half. So I th- think I've been getting sufficient, you know, the adaptations you want, but on the bike. So yeah. in place of maybe a 15 mile long run, I can do three and a half hours and get the same adaptation I want without getting one sore and two risking injury. Yeah. You just don't have the impact on the bike. Right. Um, yeah, because I've noticed with your training, there's been some days after a race that you don't run or or throughout the week, you'll take a day off perhaps and, and bike an hour or more. Um, and yeah, like, like you said, um, there hasn't been that many runs for you over an hour and a half. Um, is, is that something, have any of your teammates uh, adopted that type of cross training or is it still fairly like traditional collegiate uh, training for them? Not yet. And (laughs) I hope that kind of changes because, you know, we have, we have, we have guys on the team that have used the, 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 the traditional, uh, you know, traditional program. Like it worked very well for bad Miller. Uh, he just graduated last year. It worked Mm for, uh, alumni before that Alex Wynn and Michael McKean to great success, but, there are also other guys that have been in the 70, 80, 90 mile a week range and they're not getting the results that they want. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, cross training isn't going to fix everybody or fix, mm-hmm. fix a lot of stuff. It's, it's also, there's some counterintuitive things with training that, that college kids don't have a firm grasp of. It's a cliche. It's a, it's a huge cliche to be like, you need to take your easy days easy and your hard days hard, but mm-hmm. people still don't, do it yeah and, and it seems too part of part of the reason that's been effective is that it is injury preventative and i think that's something that pure mileage can contribute to you know when you're starting to put in two to two and a half hour long runs on pavement especially um at like coupling that with a hard race or with a hard workout maybe two hard workouts that week can lead to a lot of injuries. And that's something that's fairly common in, um, 
you know, men and women's collegiate running, you know, people are going at a high level trying to prove themselves, um, is, and, and you've, and you've dealt with that injuries in the past. What do you think for you, your past injuries have, have what, what impact does that have on your mindset with training and the way you have, you approached, um, and just kind of like done things a little bit differently than tradition? Yeah. And for one, I'm definitely, for everyone I go on, I'm so grateful because I know what it's like to be on crutches. I know what it's like to be in a boot and it is terrible. And the, you know, the runs you go on and it just feels like you're not working and it's just euphoric and you're just floating through, <laughs> floating, floating around. It, it It's so good. And I definitely don't forget what it's like to, yeah. to be injured and I'm still kind of struggling with paranoia about getting injured every time I feel something it's like, ah, uh, what's going on. But, you know, I think a difference between myself and a lot of other people is I, I'm an exercise physiology major. Yeah. So there's like, you can view training through the lens of just a traditional runner. And that's, I have to work hard because is, you know, the guy who works the hardest is going to be the fastest and that's, right. that's the way it is. And I got to just, beat myself to death all the time because that's that's how people get fit and but from a perspective of an exercise physiologist i'm every run i go on i'm thinking about what adaptation am i looking for and i think when you have that kind of mindset that it's just easier to be like well i could go for a three and a half hour bike ride and yeah. get what i want out of it yeah and be confident in that because I know that it's going to work and it has worked. Right. And, you know, if you don't have that knowledge, you don't have that, that perspective perspective, it's like, well, I did work out today, but I didn't run. So yeah, that, and it's, I think for those people, it might not be good for confidence because even though they are fit, they're like, well, my mileage has been down and yeah. that's what's not ready. Coming. I mean, that's, that's probably what I would think. Um, cause I'm a runner runner mentality. I don't have exercise science or exercise physiologist or mentality. And so days off for some runners are, are hard mentally and, and, it, and they start internalizing days off as being bad for their training. But, uh, it's obviously worked for you. A good segue into your success this year. Um, let's dive deeper into this season real quick and talk about, you know, right off the bat at the, uh, Toledo, you guys had a pre-meet, um, 6k. And then from there, you kind of went into your 8k's. Um, you had immediate, immediate improvements. You were immediately number one person and you were finishing in the top of the race every time. Uh, so, so talk about your results. Um, when you started kind of feeling like it was clicking and how that's played out for you at the actual races. Yeah, I was, had not a perfect summer of training, but, but, but as close as you can get with, you know, uh, a couple of, uh, illnesses popping up, but it was, it, you know, any, basically anything is better than what I was doing the summer before for okay. specifically <laughs> cross country. So I was, uh, really kind of antsy to get started racing because I know I had some fitness and I'd hit some workouts that were really solid and, uh, kind of against the wishes of my own coach, yeah. uh, really wanted to get out and prove myself against, against, uh, 
other schools at that that pre-MAC meet, the first the first meet of the year, and ended up third without having to go to a terribly dark spot because mm -hmm. you know it's you can only go to the well so many times per year. So right. I was we were really kind of content with that. I think the only teams missing from that meet were uh, Central Michigan and Miami. So you know, essentially thinking that you're seated third in the conference is a, is a huge mm -hmm. confidence boost. And so we rolled into the next meet at Kentucky, mm -hmm. I think. The Bluegrass Invitational. And had a bit of confidence from that. The only other the only other team that was, the only other threat that was there was Kentucky, of course. Uh, uh, EKU typically goes, but they weren't there this year. So I thought, well, it's just one team. Yeah. I think I've got a chance. Yeah, there's and, a picture that I've seen from that race and you're there <laughs> and then there's like, you know, you've got your white and green singlet on and there's basically like five or six blue Kentucky runners surrounding you and you were basically leading the charge. Um, is it, is it your prerogative to put your nose up there in the front of the race? Yeah. I just am so not content with going to a race and thinking it would be a good race if I got top 10 or top mm -hmm. 15. It's, I want to stick my nose in it. And if I blow up, I blow up. If not, then, then I was right. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's easier in a way to just put yourself in the race. And because if you're, you know, cranking out one, two with another guy from another school, it's like, well, I can't back off now yeah. and I'm not going to back off now. And it's just, it's, it's easier to push from the front. Yeah. So, you know, assessing the, not at every race, but races that you're confident enough to know that, know that you can hang with the guys in front, then, then that's definitely the move for me. Yeah. And so you did pretty well at that Kentucky meet. Uh, conditions must've been a little harder because you were 25, 30 at that race, but you were third place. But then after that, it seems like your time started dipping. And so you rattled off a couple low 24 minute eight Ks at the uh, Virginia tech and the all Ohio meet. Yep. And then you won the Ohio meet, which really kind of puts your name, at least in the state as being out there. Um, not all the teams from Ohio go to the all Ohio meet, but the majority of the colleges and universities from Ohio are there and you won and the team won too. Right. Yep. Um, and so OU was kind of recognized. You helped lead the team to that win. Um, how big of a shift in the times was that for you? In the, in the result in like the, the, your 20, like your low 24s. Yeah. I, I wasn't necessarily surprised because I hadn't got a chance to, I mean, that first Toledo race was, was a six K and that Kentucky race was, was at an equestrian park that was pretty chewed up and muddy. Okay. <laughs> so I knew if we got the chance to run on a, run on a clean, legitimate course that we could roll pretty quick. Yeah. I honestly didn't have any, any, uh, concept of, of time where I would finish at all Ohio. It was just get to the front and yeah. <laughs> try to stay away. So it's been like that the past few races where I'm totally not concerned with, with time. It's all performance based at this point. Yeah. So, and I think there's a shift from when you get confidence to say I have confidence is, is still kind of shaky still, but compared to last year, when you have confidence, then mm. you're not concerned about time. And it's just, you do what you have to do to be in the front. And, and at it this doesn't point, matter. And at this point for you, 
you're six meets into the year to me, at least from the results, you haven't had a bad race, um, that does build. And so six races in a row where you've been fairly successful in the standings and with your times improving still, like we're up to the point where you won Mac now as your sixth race of the year and you PR'd right in the AK. Um, where's your confidence at now going into regionals, uh, in, in two weeks and what's, uh, what's your goal at regionals? Yeah. I'm <laughs> the, the, yeah, the, the, the primary goal of this year was, it was definitely Mac and the secondary goal is to, it's to, to, to make it out of regionals and top four, not on a team, uh, top four individuals, not on a team advanced to nationals. So it's, I'm not sure yet how many teams are going to make it out. It could be as few as three and as most as six. So, you know, from a national perspective, I'm ranked within in the top 10 in okay. the region, uh, uh, depending which, which list you look at, but, right. but, you know, I'm confident that I can, that I can hang with the, the, the guys in the front. Okay. So taking out those team scores that advance, you need to finish top four in the regional meet, which is now a 10 K. Yep. Um, is there, you know, you're going up from 8k to 10k which doesn't seem like a huge jump but runners you know you can probably testify like how much of a difference that is going to be what's your thoughts on how you're going to approach this 10k distance compared to the 8k or is there any difference at all there's honestly there's for for cross country there's not much mm -hmm. of a difference the pace is pretty similar and you just kind of hold on <laughs> for 2 more k right. it's I, I, it might be a mental thing but it just you'll pass the 8k mark and be like oh or through 8k yeah it's only two to go yeah. so it's gonna be a good thing for guys like myself and noah shop that are not necessarily you know speed oriented guys to have two more k to work with and it makes the race uh, significantly less stress stressful because you know you can chill for 5k yeah. and then and then let things let things get started yeah. so i'm definitely prefer the 10k or the 8k okay and, and you've had success at a longer distance race. This is something I haven't brought up yet, but back in May, you were second place at the Cap City Half Marathon, which is a road race, but not a not a slouch race. You were second place by just a few seconds behind Evan Schwartz, who is a Olympic marathon trials qualifier. Um, and there's really, when you look at college runners, they're typically not running high level road half marathons. Tell us about that race a little bit. Why did you run it? And uh, what did that do for your confidence? Yeah, so that's so we don't have an official an official track season. So I had picked a couple of road races that I wanted to get into. Uh, a race in Cleveland, a race in the Richmond, Virginia, and this race mixed in with a few track races. I did, I think, two 5Ks and a 10K. So it was just to get more experience you know, experience racing and the, the, I training that I was doing differed heavily from the training that the rest of the guys were doing, because mm -hmm. I did not have a, a whole, you know, high school career or early college career of, of, of base training to work off of. Mm -hmm. So I was doing a lot of, a lot of long, longer repeats, tempo, pseudo runs, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. So it was, a little bit ambitious and a little bit ignorant to think that I could hang in a half marathon with the training I was doing. I think 
I had in my entire life never even actually ran more than 12 miles. So I was <laughs> going to race a race that was my distance PR. Yeah. So wow. in a way it was, I didn't have much expectation uh, uh, for, you know, overall placing because it's hard to tell who's going to show up. Right. Uh, I had set a time goal of just under 70 minutes, which is realistic because I had done uh, some longer tempos in that, that, that pace range. Mm -hmm. So it was no pressure because even if I did blow up, it's like, well, it was his first half yeah. marathon and he doesn't know what he's doing. He's running 30 miles a week. And so who cares? And fortunately, uh, uh, you mentioned Evan, Evan Schwartz showed up. He's, uh, was living in Columbus at the time okay. and he's kind of a Columbus, uh, running legend. Yeah. Uh, so he was, you know, obviously picked to win. Um, and it, at the start of that race, it was apparent that it was just going to be him out tempoing in the front, in the front of the group. So it was either I stay in the back with these guys or just sit up with Evan. And my plan was to just sit with him for nine miles and yeah. then let him do his thing and run off the front. Uh, so even during the race, I'm like, I'm going to blow up at mile nine. Like, I don't care. And he started to struggle a little bit and yeah. I thought, well, I might have a chance. Yeah. And, uh, you blew your time goal out of the water, one Oh eight Oh two or Oh one. And, uh, I don't know what pace that is off the top of my head, but it's pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. I th eh, close to five twelve maybe yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm not sure it's it's pretty pretty quick so um that was impressive um and so kind of just like using that as, as a segue into the future you know, obviously you have to worry about regionals and hopefully let's just go ahead and say you're going to make it to nationals um what because you're not doing it the traditional way um this is your second year competing but you're a senior academically What's next year look like for you? And then where um, do you see your future? Yep. So next year I will get the opportunity to run again as a fifth year. I'm fairly certain that I'll be here for grad school okay. in the Masters of Research Exercise Physiology program. So I'll get the chance to run again. And it's I'm still looking into whether I can get a, a, a six-year medical okay. exemption. Wow. So yeah. potentially two more years after this year of collegiate running. But if not, I'm not too concerned because I do have my eyes set on 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 the roads. Yeah. So you're a road guy, uh primarily you've you've uh been a triathlon road guy and you've and you ran road races. Um uh what do you ever see yourself doing ultra marathons? Since this is kind of since this podcast uh and, and show is is focused around trail and ultras a lot of times, uh what's your I mean would you ever dabble in ultra marathons? You know, I, I think yes, but so r there's a couple of things I want to accomplish with running is yeah. I'd like to become an all American at cross country. I think that would be a feasible goal to do next year. Uh, two is to qualify for the Olympic trials and the marathon. And after I satisfy those, I think I might, uh, kind of step away from running at the caliber that I am now because it is so time intensive yeah. and it's not a sustainable way to live. If you have to work out twice, three times a day, it's, 
you know, you want to have, you want to have a family eventually yeah. and, 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 and have a career and the quality of life you have trying to maintain that level of running is, it's worth it now, but I'm not sure if it'll be worth it in the future. It's definitely a demanding, like road running and the, and the circuit of road running. If you're trying to do it at a professional or even a semi-professional level, it's very demanding, not just with, with competition, but with your, your body. It's just, it's like you said, it's two or three workouts a day from the running part and the, and the exercise, uh, conditioning and, and strength and conditioning side. Um, so yeah, it, it, it'd be hard. But after I step back from that, it's going to be, there's a lot of things I want to explore. Yeah. Like, you know, competition's good, but it's, in my opinion, isn't the best part about running. And that's with the allure of doing trail races yeah. is kind of grows on you because it's, it, for one, it's a, it's the, the trail running community is so much different than the, you know, ultra, ultra competitive up, uptight road running track scene <laughs> where everyone's, I wasn't going to say it, but. just huge egos and, and I hope I don't come across like that, but, uh, <laughs> trail running seems to be, uh, more relaxed and, and the 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 goal of trying to do something that you know is absurd if you run a hundred mile race like <laughs> that's 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 pretty cool and it's you yeah. know something tangible you think you can do and it's not necessarily about the time or the place it's it's definitely an experience thing yeah de and it's definitely absurd and, and it's definitely an experience but i will say this there's we're starting to see in the ultra 100 mile realm so many sub 24 8k college guys and so many collegiate all Americans get into the sport. And I, I do wonder, I think it's a time of shift for the, for the ultra and trail world of, of where the sport will be led. Cause there's so many more people with your resume, um, coming into the sport. And I think they're, it's going to start dominating the sport. Um, what I'm curious about is, is where the sport will go, uh, with, with the mindset, with the, with the competitive spirit, with the, the former spirit of the sport, um, to me right now, at least in 2018, it's very much, uh, remain the same with that part of it. Um, but so like, yeah, I think if new age, like you get into it, you're gonna, you're gonna start seeing just these race, these hundred mile races being so much faster course records. Um, do you, and we're kind of getting off topic and, and rambling here on the show, but, uh, what's your, like, do you see people like Jim Walmsley, for instance, is a name who just set the course record. He's, he's a former D one guy who ran sub 14, sub 24 in the eight K. Um, do you recognize as a college athlete names like that? And, and what are your thoughts on people like him or if, if you know him at all? Yeah, of course. I mean, if you win Western States, then, yeah. then you're a name that, you know, a lot of us college guys, maybe don't pay as much attention to the trail world as, as, as we should, but yeah, that's definitely a name. And you look at a guy like that and, it's not to say that like collegiate elite runners have a shelf life, but mm -hmm. I don't, it's impressive that a guy like that, you know, he's training at such a high level mm -hmm. and it's structured. Yeah. He knows what he's doing. Right. So it's, he's essentially what we're doing now to a, such a higher level. Yeah. And he's really good at it. <laughs> so it's, it's something that, I right now can't comprehend how you could 
yeah. how you could have the same mindset as a collegiate athlete, but as a trail runner and he's running very fast. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's an interesting mix and I'm curious to see how that will, will change or how long people like his shelf life will last and, and so forth. Um, so yeah, that, that's, uh, that'll wrap it up here. Um, I'm really excited to see how you do in a couple of weeks. Um, where can, what's the date of the regional race and where can people kind of follow along with that? Yeah, the, the, region, uh, the regional race is in, I think, November 9th. I'm not sure. It's We get a two-week gap in between MAC and yeah. regionals, and the following week is nationals in Wisconsin, regionals is in uh, Terre Haute, Indiana. Okay. Well, hey, um, great talking to you. It's been really interesting to hear your perspective with your injuries, how you approach training now. It seems like you've really got a great perspective on the way you approach the sport and uh, – rooting for you and uh excited to see what you do here in a couple weeks and next year so thanks josh awesome thanks for having me on yeah